Hey everybody, it is the final episode of Comics on Infinite Earths, and uh, I'm your host Michael, and on the end of this phone is my final guest. I chose someone very special for this. Introduce yourself to everybody. Hi, it's Cameron Cooper. <laughs> Cameron has... Fort Wayne, Indiana. Right, stand up comedian. <laughs> Uh, well, it's weird that it comes to an end like this. I was going to try to end on like a, you know how you try to do like comic books, you end on episode 75 or 100 or whatever. It's like 64. It's just one of these shows, it's just too hard to put together. And uh, it's just maybe, at least for now, just a pause, a long, long pause. And we got to deal with life. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I keep looking at all the podcasts I do and I realize I'm doing them all for free. I haven't made any money at it and... Uh, Boy, I could I could probably spend some other time, you know, not reading stuff or watching stuff that's assigned for a show. Just watch it because I want to watch it. Stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so this will be absorbed into Back in Tunes, sort of. They're both becoming a new show called Hit Rewind in January, where it's just like an amalgamation of certain things. Uh, music, stand-up bits. It's like a variety show. And then old old episodes we're gonna clean up and edit and uh, add some new stuff to it, and just it, just make it a, a weird mixture of goofball stuff. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, okay. so like uh, you record some of your stand up, we'll throw it on here. We'll convert it into an MP3. Okay, I got a couple of videos already. But yeah, we'll looking record more, so yeah, yeah totally. Because you know. it's it's so easy to take YouTube MP3 with a converter and I just slap it onto the episode. Okay, cool. Yeah, no one's. I don't think anybody's ever done a variety show. I think the closest thing maybe is the Dana Gould Hour, which is like two different podcasts melted into one. He has little bits and pieces in the middle, but nothing really like that mixes music and comedy and then retro stuff, video games, comics, cartoons, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's something for everybody. I mean, because like a lot of people, they're like, oh, you know, uh, I'm not particularly fond of stand up, but you know, I want to see what new music is out there. Or, you know, everybody's on Netflix and everything. It's like, who's who's up and coming in stand-up? Or, you know, uh, sometimes we want to talk about video games, you know? Like the, oh, by the way, that new uh, Capcom versus Marvel, that is awesome. Is it? I haven't, I haven't played video games in forever. I think the last thing I played was Borderlands 2. <laughs> that was five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. Well, like, I was over, over at my friend's house, and I was playing with her kids. So we played that, and I was like... I had to redeem myself because he kicked my ass in more <laughs> Yeah, well, I always love the Capcom games, too. That and SNK, those fighters, the animated style I love. Yeah, it was dope, man. And then the special moves were dope. And Spider-Man's special move was actually pretty good. You wouldn't think so, but like, it was actually pretty dope. He does the shit where he webs you all up. Yeah. And then he just does like, a huge body slam. Takes away half your health. Well, while we're at it, we're talking about fighting styles. We uh, had on our list of things to cover was Kung Fu comics, and we got a lot to cover. So you want to start off with that? Yeah, sure. Now, the one I didn't get to read, I remember reading the freebie that came with Wizard Magazine was the Wu-Tang comic. That was very out of print and very expensive. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I, have it, I have it right here, so... So, is it, so I, I listened to a couple of the albums. I kind of know what they're concept is but what is the concept of the comic is it mythology that they build or are they playing off of previous kung fu movies that they've seen it's like mythology it's kind of both it's a basically the plot is you know there's archaeologist he's um finds the sword in the art museum doesn't know where it came from and he takes it home and inspects it and and then all of a sudden like some magic mystical dude appears out of nowhere and tells no history of the the Wu-Tang Sword okay. is what it's called. And then it basically is like they go back to ancient ancient China and the ancient civilizations and um, the Zane Dynasty. And it's basically all the characters of the – basically the characters are all the, the rappers from the Wu-Tang Clan, and they built their mythology around that. So who and the funny part, funny part is like there's these two cops that come in. They're like, oh, we've been getting a noise complaint uh, <laughs> and everything. And then the guy, uh, the mystical guy, appears again. And then, like, he starts telling the story to the cops. And then they're so intrigued by it that they ordered a guy whose house is to make coffee and stuff while they listen to that story. So it's it's all set in modern day. Yeah. Okay. So I thought it was, um, you know, historical or another planet. I don't know. It felt like it was mythological. I only saw a little bit of it, though. 
it's like um it's set in modern day and then it goes back to ancient civilizations and then they show like the artwork from it for that the artwork sounds pretty good it's just that that story is just like it's not very well well written i don't think they really focused on that i think they focused more on the fact that you know if you're a wu-tang fan you know you'll get into it somewhat mm-hmm. if you're a cop fan it's like you can kind of skip this but like <laughs> all right who are the uh writers and artists on this uh, let me get the book. Oh, you're saying. <laughs> this is the awkward moment where I should, like, edit in Gravel Pit. <laughs> Scott Mateo, Nicholas, Nicholas Turner. Wow, I don't know, I don't know those names. That's weird. What, who's the imprint on this one? Is it Image? Oh, uh, no, it's no, it's like a independent comic kind of book. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah, I remember this coming out, what, like 15, 20 years ago? Uh, it was like yeah. a six-issue miniseries, I think, or maybe 12? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's, um, I got it in, I got it in a trade, so... Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, that one. That's the one that's really hard to find. I thought about doing single issues, but I was like, oh, no, that's pricing. And the uh, trade paperback was much more. It seems like this would be in constant print, especially if the Wu-Tang owns the rights, and that might be the problem. Maybe they don't own the printing rights. Probably they probably don't. Yeah, you know. It, speaking of, of Wu Tang, have you seen that show yet? The American Saga. Nah, is that on Netflix? It's on Hulu. Oh, okay. I, it's a pretty good show. Pretty good show. Yeah. Um, if you like The Wire, you'll probably like the show. I never, I've never seen The Wire, honestly. <laughs> oh, that's okay. The um, you see a lot of elements of this brought into the Man with Iron Fists. You know, Riza yeah. is obviously the huge kung fu guy behind all this. Oh yeah, and he's uh scoring a lot of those. Scored a what was it? Ghost Dog, Way of Samurai. Yeah, great fucking movie. Jim Jarmusch, maybe the only good, only movie Jim Jarmusch we all sit through, honestly. Exactly. <laughs> all right, so other martial arts comics that we have. Uh, let's start at the beginning with the legendary uh, master of kung fu from Marvel Comics. What did you think of that? Um, you know, it's, uh, this is some old school stuff. Right? It is. Yeah. I know. Was this, people, uh, was this, was was this before or after Iron, Iron Fist? Uh, it's all around the same time. There was a martial arts craze when, uh, um, shit. In the 70s. Yeah, it's, it's right after Bruce Lee died when everything went insane. Enter the Dragon was a phenomenon, and then all the rip-offs, you know, all the Bruce Lees with different spell Lee. And then Sonny Chiba <laughs> broke out. And then, <laughs> so some of the comics I sent you were from that burst. So there's Iron Fist. Okay. There was Master of Kung Fu. There was... Um, yeah. Shit, what's I that? had a Power Man and Iron Fist issue. Yeah. I got from the free market um, a couple years back. And uh, so you sent me the big book. Yeah, that's different. So I, I read the early Iron Fist. And the mythology they bring into... Power Man and Iron Fist is more of Power Man for a long time. And then around issue, oh, yeah. I want to say like 75, all of a sudden it kicks into like Kun Loon and seeing what his world is about. And, they, and then they just get absorbed into the normal uh, Marvel Universe and they start going off against villains that you know are already established. And yeah. they really start taking part of that world. Yeah, they're always, they've always been like sea characters up until... Well, not again, sort of the limelight now, but like there's always they always been like C characters. Yeah. Well, they were. Well, Iron Fist died sort of in '86, mm-hmm. and then that's Luke Cage was thrown around for a while into his own series, and it wasn't until he was brought into the New Avengers when he was like an A-lister, and then they brought Iron yeah. Fist back from the dead, and both of them really took off, and you know because we know him from Heroes for Hire and Defenders. And, uh, of course, the TV show now, but there was a time period where no one knew who the fuck these guys were. Yeah, exactly. Well, Master of Kung Fu, uh, I thought it was pretty good. There's a lot of there's a lot of sci-fi mixed with the action in it, so there's it's a, pretty cool. I can't remember the name of it. There's such a ridiculous villain, and he was in Iron Fist and that, where he has a, um, a what do you call it, a Daisy Star, whatever. You know, the ball and chain thing, you know, with a spiked ball. He has two of yeah. those attached to his head, and I thought that was the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> How do you not hit yourself in the face with this thing? Very carefully. Yeah, Morningstar. That's what it's called, Morningstar. I don't know what I was thinking. Morningstar, um, yeah. Yeah, that, see, uh, so 
Uh, Master Kung Fu, he was more like into the espionage, you know, going around the world as like mm-hmm. a, a kind of a James Bond character. See, he was barely part of the Marvel Universe until like the last, I don't know, decade. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the other one. Richard Dragon Kung Fu Fighter I sent you. And they're essentially the same comic. And they're both at times miserable and fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like, that's like a lot of martial arts movies. And especially like during uh, like that time period, the Bruce Lee era. It was uh, after that, uh, there was like, like you said, the different names. That was called Bruce Boitation. Yeah. And um, Jackie Chan got caught up into that. Thank God he found his own way um, soon yeah. after, because they tried. Yeah, they tried to position him as a dead serious martial artist, and he's like, "Well, no, I'm more of a dance style, you know, Buster Keaton, and then I have humor yeah. and uh, likability." Yeah, he's like, "Everybody could beat Bruce Lee." I mean, Bruce Lee could beat everybody. Yeah, I, I can't beat up everybody. Right, and that's the enjoyment. That's why he stood the test of time, where people got sick of like his copycats. Yeah, and like Lee. I mean, there was nobody that compared to him either. And he died, like... He only made, like, four movies, and then he died, like, too quickly. Yeah. And then... And, like, the Inner Dragon was the one... Because that was made in America. But the rest of them were made um, overseas. Right. It, well, it was... And, like, I think it was Golden Harvest produced it, but Warner Brothers distributed mm-hmm. it, so they gave them more money. So the budget was a million dollars instead of, like, $200,000, which they normally were. And they gave them, like, yeah. John Saxon and Jim Kelly... Um, you know, to, you know, round out the cast, uh, make it international. Yeah, something about, I don't even know how big Enter the Dragon is, but I do know that when the 25th anniversary came out that everybody was insane for it, and I had a poster on my wall for four or five years. Mm. Uh, I don't know if, um, I don't know if people are, you know, that um, enthusiastic about it now, but, um, but I grew up watching Bruce Lee movies, so, you know, and um, there was a period where, I guess in the 90s, because of, like, certain martial art stuff coming out like power rangers and all that we got really into martial arts and then we really got into studying it but not doing it (laughs) (laughs) i had that with karate kid all of a sudden i thought i could be a martial artist just by watching that movie yeah that doesn't work (laughs) yeah just because like you and you gotta do research these guys have been studying for years and years perfecting their craft as martial artists the um Yes, yeah, so the craze, the craze died. I think it's funny is um, black exploitation, and uh, you know the kung fu explosion really broke and burst around the same time. So by seventy seven, seventy eight, it was dead as a doornail. Yeah, and it took forever for black exploitation to come back, which I don't know if it truly has. But kung fu movies were reborn with like the rise of Chuck Norris and Karate Kid and stuff like that. Yeah. Which I think helped later in the 90s when people were like, why are we watching all these Belgian you know, goofball guys do martial arts? Let's go back to the source. And then they did the Bruce Lee movie. You know, We had Brandon Lee breaking out, Mark Dacascos, Jackie Chan. And I was kind of surprised Kung Fu comics took so much longer to come back. And then we had the second wave, which is where the Wu-Tang comic book is from, and also that uh, Way of the Rat that I sent you. Yeah, which... The artwork in this is really good. Yeah, it's it's it was from a company called CrossGen, and the guy who created CrossGen had a vision, and sadly mm-hmm. it failed, and he died I think about six months ago, and and it's sad that people don't remember what he did. He wanted to create a company that was solely focused on not capes and superheroes and this huge world that it was yeah. boiled mm-hmm. down to like a handful of characters, and they're all somewhat mythological base you know sword sorcery fantasy magicians detectives and kung fu and way of the rat was probably their second most popular comic next to sojourn but he ran out of money and it just shut, shut down like three years later yeah well this artwork is similar to this to that wu-tang comic but uh, i think this i think this is much more um it's much more fluid as far as like the artwork actually is and and at worst, because when you look at the like actual martial arts scenes in it, it the artwork allows for that fluidity. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, I want to say it was Stan Johnson or Staz Johnson that did the art on that. I can't remember. Chuck Dixon wrote that. And uh, Chuck Dixon was also writing a bunch of like martial arts-infused comics for DC around the time because Nightwing became like the master of kung fu. And yeah. Robin was doing a lot of it. But they also um, brought Richard Dragon back around 2003 with his own 12-issue series, which 
I was from the same creative team, and I gotta tell you, nobody draws martial arts like Scott McDaniel. You should look him up if you don't know who he is, because he just has a very particular style, and he makes every action sequence coherent and exciting. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, what did you say his name was? Scott McDaniel. Scott McDaniel, okay, I have to look him up. Yeah, he just got a very unique... At first, I was thrown off by it, and I didn't like it, because it has a weird, blocky cartoon style, almost. And I was thrown off by it, because that's not what I was used to. But then I was like, wait a minute. These are the best action sequences I think I've ever, you know, <laughs> seen in a combo because everything just goes so fast and smooth. And there's never like, wait, where, how did he get to where he is? No, they, it's, all of it makes complete sense. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to like, get the action sequences in a lot of comics because, you know, the, uh, with the lines and the hand drawn, it's like, you know, yeah. there's only so much you can do with that, you know. What, uh, I feel like I sent you another martial art comic. Am I wrong? Uh, let me see. I think that was it, maybe. I know there was Judo Master for Charlton, but I didn't send you that. That was a short-lived... Charlton um, was bought out by DC. That's how they end up owning Blue Beetle and The Question and Captain Adam. Oh, here it is. Um, okay. Prepubescent. Oh, Michael gosh. <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> Which, obviously, you know what this is making fun of. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters is part of that too. <laughs> yeah, pretty gene, dirty gene, kung fu kangaroos. <laughs> I forgot to mention I for that there was a boost in comic books because all of a sudden in the early '80s everybody was crazy about ninjas in the whole Daredevil series, and that's how Teenage yeah. Mutant Ninja Turtles was born out of you know a parody of Daredevil. Yeah, it was a parody of that. And who knew that it was going to blow up to be such a huge thing? The creators didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're like, expecting it to be like a one or two, you know, that would be done. And then, like, well, look, it's been 35 or something years later, and we're still going with Ninja Turtles. They got a whole channel now. <laughs> wow, where? It's on Pluto TV. It's called Totally Turtles. No shit, that's amazing. I gotta watch that. Yeah. Okay, it's weird, because when I broke that window at work, that's what I did while I was fixing the window. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? How did you break the window? <laughs> Oh, right, upset. your phone. Do my phone at it. Which, if you need a phone, go to Sprint. <laughs> Why did you? Yeah, did you? Was your hand slippery, or were you mad at something? Oh, I was mad. At something. All right, there you go. Your your phone's done. It's dust, toast. No, no, my phone's my phone's intact. Holy shit! I wish we had the problem. I cough on my phone too much, and the screen cracks. But I get one of those Go phones, so you know, I, you know, burner phones because I'm a Coke dealer on the side. Oops. <laughs> Oh, well, that's snitching. <laughs> um, all right, so what else is on our list? Uh, let's see. Well, speaking of Kung Fu, I guess we're going to talk about Black Lightning now, I guess. Yeah. Well, is he really known as a martial arts guy? He is kind of in the comics, but it's never really brought up in the, the show. In the show, not really. But like um, in the comics, Batman taught him martial arts, and he became a master hand-to-hand combat through that. Yeah, I remember... Well, we mentioned Kung Fu exploitation and exploitation. You know, a lot of that stuff uh, changed in the 70s because they had horror comics and stuff like that. But Black Lightning is one of the very few that you would categorize as because of black exploitation. You know, the, why he, he became popular and had his own title. I actually enjoy his old suit. I know the huge collars make no sense if you're fighting unless they're, like, to protect your neck. That's <laughs> I remember Wu-Tang, protect your neck. <laughs> the very first time I saw Black Lightning was in an issue of Justice League of America. And okay. I think, I want to say it was Superman was asking him to join. And behind him were a bunch of goofball team members that I'd never seen before. And Black Lightning goes, join this team with those jive turkeys? No way, man. And I was like, what? <laughs> and that's the first yeah, time I saw that? Black Lightning. Yeah, that's not black exploitation slang at all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Turkish. Nobody says drive turkeys anymore. I feel like that's a thing that should be said. I love saying it. <laughs> I mean, I think that's one word phrase that needs to be left in the seventies. <laughs> the um, but but to to sum that up, he I guess Superman was testing Black Lightning to see if he would join anybody, and it was all the other, all the team members are dressed up in different costumes, pretending to be like lame ass heroes. I don't remember the point. But he did, he did join the Outsiders after his series ended. 
Yeah. And that that was a big thing for him for a long time is that he was always a side member of the Outsiders. I always wonder if they're going to bring this up into the uh, TV show. Um. Well, because like um, when I researched the TV show, they I was wondering if they're going to bring it to the same universe as like the Flash and Arrow and all that. They said when they, when it first came on right now, they said they're not going to do that, but they're open to it if you know there's a way to do it without looking silly. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, they have the crisis going right now where they're supposed to be combining yeah. the universe for right. So I, I assume this is yeah. that point where they're going to bring Black Lightning into it. Yeah, I think that's what they're doing now. Yeah. So I watched I watched the first two seasons and I read that comic book and the mythology of the comic book is quite different than the one that we know uh, from his history. But there's been so much retconning in DC. Who's to know what's real anymore? <laughs> well, they, they didn't reboot it several times. Rebirth and now it's like uh, the new and they, they had the new Fifty Two. Now they got Rebirth and all that. So yeah, well, before that there was Zero <laughs> Hour and there was Crisis, and so it's Crisis. yeah they keep rebooting. So you never know where. But a lot of times it is to clean up the mess. A lot of these people have histories that make no sense. Hawkman's um, biography is just the craziest fucking thing I've ever read. So they had to clean it up. Yeah. Well, the, um, the origin of um, Black Lightning and in, in this one. It's, a, it's not the same, this book I'm holding. It's not really super much the same as the TV show, but close enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to play with some relatives hiding out um, because of a... Uh, well, he's going to stay with some relatives because he's moving back to uh, where it's, uh, Garfield, where the 100, the gang, and the, the main gang in there is um, terrorizing the streets. And he's trying to clean the streets up, and he becomes the principal of Garfield High in this book. In the right. show, he's the principal already, so. Yeah, it kind of shows the story that leads to him retiring and, and going into hiding or whatever, and then, you know, basically, you know, staying with his family and saving them. So yeah. I, it's, it helps that, I almost feel like they should have just done a prequel episode, like just, you know, they could do it anytime now, just say, hey, previously, you know, three years or five years ago, or whatever it was, that he decided to do this, that'd be fun to see. Yeah. Well, this show in the intro is like, uh, why he quit, I guess, but, you know, a full episode, I think, would help like clean up some of the. Oh, what 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 happened between, you know, why why did he quit specifically, and you know what happened to him and uh, Gamby, who's the like mentor character yeah. in the show. Yeah, the uh, the show. I would say the first season is probably better than the second season, but it's also because I have no attention span. I feel every TV show should be ten to thirteen episodes, and I was getting kind of bored. I think halfway through season two. But I do yeah. like the world they're building. They're creating – the nice part is they're creating villains of their own instead of the way they did with Arrow. I feel like Arrow is just taking villains from everybody, like Flash everybody, yeah. and Robin and Ball, Batman. So like that. And I was like – I, I well, Arrow doesn't have something. The villains kind of do collide in the universes. But yeah, um, yeah, in Black Lightning, yeah, they're creating their own villains. Tobias Wells are always like the main antagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't really go into the, uh, his political career in the show. Though. They they touched on it, but they didn't go into his political career in the show. He's just a big ass crime boss. Yeah, I don't I don't uh, know if I've ever seen that actor before. I would think I would have noticed him. Well, he wasn't an actor before that. He was oh. a he was a rapper. Really? He goes he's goes by the name Cron Don, and he's a ghostwriter and a rapper for certain rappers. And well, like if you're gonna cast somebody an albino person, like it's a small list. Yeah, I was gonna say not a lot. <laughs> but, he explained it on Breakfast Club how he got that part because he had no intentions of being an actor. He but he just kind of came in there like because um he just kind of came in there and like hey there's a part that you should try out for and he was like I'm not an actor man but then looking at the script and everything looking at the sort of because. Uh, Initially, when Tobias Well comes on the show, he's like the, the main nasty crime boss, just a typical two-dimensional crime boss. But then um, they show more of his humanity um, as the first season progresses. Like the relationship between him and his sister and kind of why he is the way he is as far as like um, his relationship with black people and his relationship with just the whole neighborhood and Garfield. Yeah. I was just... Uh, I also love the fact that they took, I'm trying to remember, I think it was in 52 when Black Lightning's daughter 
Thunder joined Lex Luthor's like elite team, not realizing that Lex yeah. Luthor was duping all of them. You know, I thought maybe they were just going to ignore that when they announced the show, but they, they really focused on him being the family man instead of just a lone mm. vigilante. I really enjoy that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, because I think it, I mean, cause it's different than, say, like, The Flash and Arrow and everything like that, and that, you know, there's a family dynamic. Yeah, I mean, there kind of is in the other shows, but it's how they portray the family. And this is literal, yeah. like, how do you function as a family while you're all super-powered? Yeah. And the, and the thing about it, I, I was thinking about this. The, it's been a, it's been an interesting time. It's been a good time from, say, let's say 20, 2018 when Black Panther came out to, I guess, now. It's like black superheroes, black superpower people are getting more of a, more of a spotlight. Yeah, and it's it's not like this is what drives me nuts when they do stuff like this because they did this in the the '90s. Oh, we can give them a movie, but we're gonna barely release it. We're gonna barely promote it, and the budget's gonna be ten million dollars. It's the same thing with women. They always seem like they were like low end, and I was yeah. like, no, you just gotta give people a good movie. They'll go to it. Doesn't matter what the race is. It doesn't matter what the sex is. Just oh, yeah. give them quality. That's why Blade worked, and movies like Steel were bullshit because clearly Warner Brothers didn't give a shit. And we already saw Kazam, so it's like, Shaq, you're not going to fool us again. No Shaq. <laughs> well, and, and I watched uh, Meteor Man for the first time um, probably this summer, and I was like, why was this a bomb? This is a really enjoyable movie, and it didn't make anything. It, it basically destroyed uh, Robert Townsend's career. Uh, I mean, the Golden Lords. <laughs> well, that's of its time period, though, Be to be fair. It's 93, so it's like, okay, you can forgive that. But uh, there's actually an interview with uh, Robert Townsend on The Breakfast Club talking about, because uh, he did The Five Heart Beasts before that. Like, how are you going to go from The Five Heart Beasts to Meteor Man? Well, he um, looking at the backstory of it is like, okay, now you can kind of understand. He was talking to his nephew, and, you know, it was Halloween. He was like, uh, what are you going to be? you going to be um, Spider-Man or Batman? He's like, I can't be those because they, they're white. And then um, he was like, he realized there was no real movie for black kids yeah. except for the widow i guess so uh when he did meteor man and he was kind of like how black black panther did a billion dollars he was thinking about that back then he mm -hmm. saw the vision back then yeah that's just... why that's why there's all these celebrities that are in the movie yeah there's a thousand names in that movie it's amazing i was like wait i know i know who that is 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 <laughs> i remember the poster had just like a panel of faces and sometimes they were only in it for like two minutes i'm like well that's kind of cheating the audience <laughs> <laughs> the um the one thing i want to say about black lightning though is that it is it wears its politics on its sleeve and the villain that first season is clearly trump and rightfully so because yeah. i'm i mean i don't know if you're on want to say it, but I'm going to say the guy's a motherfucking crazy freak show, and uh, Greg Henry plays the Trump character to uh, to the T. It's exactly what I believe that he would say and act. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, yeah, the main villain, yeah. Because it's like, and there's that whole dynamic between like, um, like, there's that whole dynamic with the government and everything. It's like how they're controlling the black neighborhoods and then there's you know, people still got to take a timing for their um, their mistakes. And that's what um, Jefferson Reed, Jefferson uh, Pierce is teaching them. I'm sorry. Yeah. Jefferson Reed is me here, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is a truly intense scene. I want to say it's around episode three where Jefferson is trying to teach the younger kids to stay in line or whatever. And then yeah. the older brother who used to be his, yeah, used to be his student comes in and, uh, Latavius, yeah. yeah, he starts abusing the little brother, whatever, and he's like, "Hey, don't you?" And he's like, "Don't you ever get in my way?" And you're like, "Okay, I forgot." <laughs> Just because you run this school doesn't mean you run that neighborhood. Yeah, it like he pulls that gun out on him. He's like, "Like you know my damn name? It's Lala." <laughs> and then like, yeah, yeah. There's that whole dynamic of um, um, the uh, the black father figure. It's like. Most, most, you know, you know, everybody knows the black community. Most of them grow, most of us grow up with our fathers and stuff like that, and we grow up without that male dynamic. And I'm not gonna get too much into that, but it's like, if we don't, if the father isn't there, they're gonna learn how to be a man from somebody. And yeah. so I think that's what that scene is talking about. So, yeah, it's funny. Is I grew up in Fort Wayne, 
And then when I was 13, yeah. we, we got sick and tired of renting a place. We moved to Huntington, which I still argue is the worst thing we've ever done in our lives. Um, <laughs> because it was a dipshit, redneck, super religious. I mean, you know Huntington. It's, oh, yeah. It's fucking uh, terrifying. I've been there once. Yeah. And um, the dynamics are completely different there. And they don't understand what it's like to know anybody that's not white into country music and a Christian and I, I just, it was fucking rough. I couldn't wait to get out of there. And Fort Wayne's only a half hour away. So the things that I know, yeah. the things you're talking about, broken families, you know, people working blue collars, both parents working, stuff like that was normal to me. And just watching, like, wives that were subservient and had to basically be at home and be slaves and hear racial epitaphs and homophobic stuff all the time, it was just so strange to me. Yeah. And strange is the nicest word. I probably, it fucked up thing. It honestly fucked up. Well, like, you know, and then I had to reverse that because um, kind of where kind of where we were, it wasn't terrible, but it was like, you know, it wasn't the best neighborhood to grow up in. But, um, you know, there was there was really not really any white people. There was a uh, one white guy and he had a whole bunch of cats and that was kind of creepy. <laughs> but uh, well, anybody with too many cats is creepy, period. <laughs> and uh, like you would knock on his door, and he'd come out with the cat and start petting it, like Godfather. Oh, like Godfather, but like a nerdy version of it. Yeah, <laughs> And then like it was like, um, and I didn't really like get get to know white people until high school. And I was thinking about this, like the neighborhoods that a lot of black people grew up in, the inner city neighborhoods, like they make their world, they're, they're designed to make the worldview so small. So they don't ask a whole bunch of questions, and that's that's one of the reasons why a lot of black people can't get ahead. And this is not me making an excuse; it's just more. Um, oh, we getting some deep political. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and that's the great part about shows like Black Lightning is that it tries to give an insight. It was this way in the '70s. I mean, the shows that I this, yeah. this boggles people's minds sometimes. But in the 70s, they realized there was a different audience out there. So they gave shows to different people besides married white people. You know, it was uh, yeah. single moms in one day at a time. It was, you know, Chico and the Man and the Jeffersons, uh, which was like the rich side. And then you had the poor side, which was good times. And, and then just the, the normal everyday kids, uh, not normal, you know what I mean, quotation marks, like the average kids in what's happening now. And I grew up with that. Yeah. I grew up with 227 and Amen. And then it just stopped. And then everything was relegated to syndication or BET. So the next generation never got to experience these shows to see what life was like. I mean, just tell me the difference between some of these shows, and I'll just say, well, it's just a different colored cast. But they're the same people. It's the same problems, the same attitudes. And I think taking, and, uh, taking away, taking oh, away those shows, like Cosby Show. You know, taking away shows like that, and I'm going to dismiss any arguments you have about Bill Cosby because there's other people in that show and they still need a paycheck. So erasing the existence of that show fucks their, you know, you know, wages. Um, I think what that's, happened to uh, Elvin in that show? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a huge problem is that people who live in the sticks, you know, being cut off in the rest of the world, they're watching Fox News all the time, only surrounded by people who are just like them. Um I think a lot of it is because they're not exposed on normal network television to these kind of shows. Right. And then, like, um, oh, and this is an interesting thing, too. Uh, I was talking to my brother, my stepbrother. He used to play basketball overseas. And he went to Lithuania, and they had never seen black people before. Wow. Because there's no black people over there. And when he got over there, well, he got a lot of pussy. But uh, <laughs> he, like, he got treated like a king. But, like, the thing about they only knew about black people was um, – kind of what the media portrays, which is not, oftentimes not a great representation. Right. Well, they talk about that in Hollywood Shuffle, if you want to bring up Robert Townsend again. Hollywood Shuffle was about him getting sick and tired of those representations. I can't say the word, representations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hollywood Shuffle is a good movie. Um, yeah. There was like a whole week period where I watched that movie. <laughs> um, where did we get it? How did we get to this? Uh, hey, let's find a way. By the comic books, you know, that's where a lot of us um, got to experience like, oh, my God, uh, Asian superheroes and African-American superheroes. And, and, and they started yeah. bringing gay superheroes with Aurora and uh, North Star and, 
uh, Alpha Flight and stuff like that. It's just where comic books always seem to be a step ahead. I mean, the X-Men were always a metaphor for any sort of intolerance and oppression. Yeah. Like Professor X and Magneto were supposed to be Martin Luther King and uh, Malcolm X. Oh, shit, you're right. It never even dawned on me. You probably have heard that before, and I uh, just never clicked in my brain. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch X-Men completely different. Huh. Yeah, like um, yeah, I saw an interview with Stan Lee, and um, he said that that was what the correlation was supposed to be. Okay. They're both not necessarily wrong, I guess. No, but it's just different viewpoints. It's different viewpoints, but they all want the same thing. Yeah. Well, I think I think the best villains are the ones who don't see themselves as villains. Like in a way, they see what they're doing is justified and right. You know, the muahaha twirling mustache kind of nutso thing can get real old real fast. And we're seeing that more complex villains now in uh, the movies. You know, yeah. Joker just came out. And I haven't seen it yet, but... Um, I never go to the movies anymore. I just, I can wait. Though I'm going to see Star Wars. I, I, I know someone's going to ruin it for me, so I have to go see Star Wars. Okay. Um, what are the and, comics? Do you have any comics left besides that you want to discuss? Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Static Shock was next? Oh, yeah, shit. I almost read about that. Um, I had never read the comic, and I had never read uh, or never watched the cartoon, and it never even dawned on me until we started discussing this. And um, it was Milestone Comics is where Static yeah. was born, and then um, shit, I'm trying to remember the other ones that were part of that. Milestone was the comic, right? And then it was Blood Syndicate. Uh, fuck, I can't remember. But it wasn't actually owned by DC at first. It was just kind of licensed out. Um, it was like an imprint. But those guys, yeah. Dale, Dwayne McDuffie, I think, ran it. Yeah. Milestone Dwayne. Comics. I'm going to look up these characters real quick. Now, did I send you some of those too? I can't remember. Oh, no, no. I have uh, I have some of those. Okay. So let me go through here. Um, yeah, Dwayne McDuffie, Dennis Cohen. So they worked with DC <coughs> in coalition or whatever to design comics you know they had control over so dc had no say over but they just shared the publication uh profits yeah but i think dc now owns it because it's it was absorbed into the world because i know static is now part of the titans because yeah, he shows right. it. Yeah. um there is one there's a miniseries called terror titans and if you can find it it's fucking phenomenal um super r-rated but um it's a fight club, basically. They kidnap the teen heroes and they put them in a fight club to the death. And they're working their way up, trying to you know figure out who's trapped in there. And they get to the big bad leader, and it's he's not a villain. It's Static, and he's been trapped there for ages. And uh, he basically just tears apart the villains or whatever and gets his friends freed. And I can't believe what wow. an exciting moment that was. And I never even read Static, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I got a, uh, when they had the new 52, I got a stash shot book right here. It's called Supercharged. That's the, oh, that's yes, okay, one. I read that one, yeah. Okay. This was, uh, it was, it's hard to keep those particular books going, I guess because, I don't know, they just don't know, but Scott McDaniels, Scott McDaniels on this. Oh, okay. Yeah. What a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, like, I guess it's because um I don't know Static is a and he's a hard character to write because initially when his comic book ran they were trying to make him like the Spider-Man ish of that universe right well I think every everybody who starts a new comic book company if they focus on superheroes they always have four or five common heroes they're always trying to ape an Iron Man a Batman a Spider-Man and a Superman yeah like Spawn is sort of a Batman ish type character. right. And Savage Dragon's like a Hulk, you know, stuff like that. I guess like, you go back to yeah. him, you see. Well, even Savage Dragon had his own Spider-Man-style character with Star, um, who was mm. short-lived. But uh, what we have here is we have Hardware, who's kind of an Iron Man technology guy. We have Icon, who's a Superman-style character. I can't remember what Blood Syndicate is. I feel like that's like a military... St- no, is it vampires? I can't remember, but I know it's a super team where they kind of collect up all the heroes. Oh, you know what? I bet you it was more like Wildcats, I think. Mm. Yeah. But this book, uh, this book is interesting. It's like Static moves out of Dakota and moves to a new city. And he's, he's trying to be Static there. 
there's there's one panel where he's at school and he's like checking out the girls and one panel is the, of a girl's ass which okay <laughs> well teenagers oh we're talking adults as well who are we kidding yeah but um i guess like it's like if well like the static shock tv the cartoon the static shock cartoon oh like that was one of like the last cartoons that i like kept up with before i reached like high school and stuff uh-huh. i'm kind of still watching them the um I popped in and out, but I stopped watching. I want to say it was the Batman and Robin Adventures. Maybe, okay, yeah. but it was that was only a three year gap. But that was like in '98, and then Adult Swim premiered, and I was just back into cartoons again. We finally got Cartoon Network in Fort Wayne, which was insane because that city is yeah, huge. I and that. I was like, "What took so long?" <laughs> That was a huge deal. I remember that. Yeah, and then that's right after that is when I discovered uh, Justice League, and then I was just back into cartoons all over again. Yeah. Oh yeah, Justice League. Me and uh my my bro Zach, we were really big into Justice League, still are. But uh, yeah, Static Shock was like one of them cartoons. It was like, oh really? Finally, they give a black superhero a cartoon, his own spot spotlight. Because before it wasn't really that many. I can only think of. Were they the lead? I can only think of, gosh, shit, uh, maybe the short stuff in uh, Fat Albert, which was the Brown Hornet. I can't think of any other serial. I can't think of any superheroes, period, that weren't either anthropomorphic or white. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, they didn't give us like, nothing. And then Fire oh, Stack Shock, you know, it was like, I got yes! it. Pro Stars, sort of. Okay. Well, no, there was the Mr. T cartoon. I forgot. Uh, it, it, it wasn't a superhero, but like, oh, okay. But like, see, cartoons back in the day, they gave whoever was kind of popping at the time his own cartoon. Like, Jackson 5 had their own cartoon, right? Yeah. Emmanuel Lewis. No, not Emmanuel Lewis. Um, shit. No, uh, Gary Coleman had his own cartoon. Macaulay Culkin had his own damn cartoon, for fuck's sake. What? Yeah, it was called Wish Kid. It was on for a season. Well, obviously. All these were on for one season. I can't. I don't know any celebrity. I know what Jackie Chan was on for three years. I remember that. Oh yeah, Jackie Chan's cartoon was on for a minute. Yeah, that, but, uh, that one actually was pretty good. But there's a that big difference good. between the '80s cartoons and the '90s cartoons. I feel like the the fact that Disney started doing animation on television and we had Ren and Stimpy and stuff like that that saved animation because it was basically a half hour promotion of whatever. Either your regular oh, yeah. TV show or a toy line. They weren't really creating stories that built the mythology. Yeah, true that. There was no real huge good storytelling in cartoons before. Say, I don't. I don't know where a good start storytelling really started. I guess uh Transformers maybe. Yeah, I guess so. But they really built the world. But I'm talking about like you know. Then they had to combine quality animation with that. And I'm not saying Transformers looks like shit. But, you know, there's a certain look that all of these cartoons had. And then all of a sudden, mm. Gummy Bears, DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, um, like I said, Ren and Stimpy, uh, The New Mighty Mouse, stuff like that where it started, uh, Tiny Toons, where it had a whole different look and feel. Yeah. Rescue Rangers was the shit. It was. So Static Shock is definitely during that. It's a magical period because it's uh, post-revival but pre where anime really took over, because there's some god-awful anime-inspired superhero cartoons that I, I just can't sit through. <laughs> I know there was an actor one a couple of years ago. That was, wow, that's bad. There's still kind of the anime style that they're, they're trying to do, and it's not like that new Powerpuff Girls cartoon is yeah. god-awful. But I just remember there was, uh, I want to say it was Beware the Batman or something like that, where they gave Joker dreadlocks and they made everybody with really strange angular look. And this is same oh, exact know, team I, went and did uh, Spider Man. I was like, no, stop. Oh no, that wasn't a Beware the. Ba- I think that was a the Batman. Okay. Yeah, the there's so many of them I can't tell. It's like telling the difference between the Scooby Doo cartoons now. It's like there's a new one every year or a different name. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because I remember Beware the Batman. It was a uh, that was more like CGI ish. Oh, okay, okay. Um. So with uh, the static line, um, I think I think the big problem was not that it wasn't good because I enjoyed the comics. I think it was because it was that early '90s glut, you know, when everybody started yeah. going, "Oh, it's a collector's market. We need to introduce." Everybody was doing comics. For fuck's sake, Tops was doing comics. They're a baseball card company. Everybody was doing them, 
and there's just there's too much to buy and the quality was waning so when a good label would come around if it wasn't selling it just got sucked up just like the rest of the stuff yeah right that's i think what's going on right now too post new 52 come on 52 new titles every year because it's it's too much who can afford these things (laughs) right especially like you know comic books now aren't aren't cheap like that no, is it four bucks an issue? It's like, yeah, it's four bucks an issue. And some of those, uh, depending on the cover, they'd be like maybe five or six. That's too much. I wait until it's collected into a trade anyway, because for me, anyway. for me, I don't like. It's like watching a TV show, and then after the first commercial, it says, "Oh, you have to wait a month for the next fifteen minutes." You're like, I don't. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I don't like the advertisements in between the pages either. So it's like. You know, yeah, getting a trade is just like you know, it's getting Hulu without the ads. Right. Did you did you enjoy any of the silly ass ads though in those old seventy comics? Like everything seemed oh, to be yeah. some sort of home gym. Like we'll make you a buff man in one day. Learn martial arts from home. <laughs> it's awkward because it's like master kung fu. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like yeah, because like that was that that was the whole thing. It's like oh yeah, gotta get the gym and you know everything. And you look at it, and it's like, that's two rubber tubes with a handle on it. That's going to break the first week. Put it on your doorway. You know, it's, no, stop it. <laughs> it's still kind of like that, too. But Sometimes, now, like, but you don't have to pay a bunch of money for it, either. You just go to Walmart or whatever. It's like five bucks for stretchy bands. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I think um, Static, Static, um, if he came back around, he'd probably be more accepted now. Yeah, well, I think, a, uh, I think he needs to, to... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, there's a reference to Static and Black Lightning. Well, there's also a reference to Markovia, which is where um, Geoforce yeah. and Terra are from, which I was excited yeah. by. But yeah, if he came back around now, I mean, he'd probably be more accepted, because there's some nostalgia fans that want to kind of see it, yeah. but also, like I said, more black superheroes to get more of the limelight. Which, speaking of that, um, I just finished uh, Raising Dion. I don't know what that is. That, it's a new show on Netflix about this little kid with superpowers. Uh-huh. And his mom is raising her by himself. Michael B. Jordan was his dad. Oh, okay. He died. He dies in this uh, mysterious storm. And then the mom is raising uh, this little kid. He's like seven years old by herself. And he finds out he has superpowers. That's cool. And he's, he keeps it from his mom and everything. There's this whole... I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah. Um, it's on Netflix if you got it. I, I gotta tell you, Michael B. Jordan is uh, going beyond just being an actor. He really is taking control of the projects, and uh, he knows that people yeah. still love Chronicle. So I mean, I think that's why like he got his hands on Creed, which is almost borderline feels like you know a really grounded superhero movie. The Rocky movies always seem like superhero movies before they you know could afford them. Um, but he grounded. Well, there's, you know, he there's grounded. A there's the same beats. There's a training montage. There's the, oh, I got to go up against this uh, big bad guy. And, you know, he comes out victorious. Except for, uh, which one did he lose in? Five, I think. Five. No, no, no. He loses in the, in the original Rocky. Rocky, he loses. But yeah, he um, loses five is the bullshit one where he just he doesn't even fight. He just has like a slow beat down in the back of a building or whatever with trash cans. That was bullshit. I hated that one. Was that the one with the robot? Uh, no, that's four. That's where he takes on Ivan Drago, who's okay, basically okay. a fucking supervillain. Can't keep up with these Rocky movies. Yeah. <laughs> but Creed brought it back to the real world, but at the same time, he has that almost feel. And then, of course, he was in Fantastic Four. He's in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. He produced Kin, which is a great sci-fi movie. I don't know if you've seen that one. I haven't seen that one. It's great. It's about uh, this kid who finds basically some futuristic laser gun, and it's being tracked by the ra- the alien oh, race that lost oh, it or whatever. Oh, oh. Did that come out in the theaters? It did, but it, it was supposed to be... They thought it was going to be a big hit. It did not make any money. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I think I've seen a trailer for that. Yeah, it's good. Um, and then now he's doing this show, so he really knows... He must have love for comic books, then. Oh, thanks, so, because I'm like... Must have been in all the like superhero comic book type stuff. Like, Creed is the only thing that kind of wasn't comic book. Well, at that in uh, Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, I have seen Those that. are the ones, yeah. And I guess Hardball, but he was a kid then. <laughs> He's in Hardball, the Keanu Reeves movie. Yeah, oh, this, fuck. This, is kind of, this is kind of funny because he was the the kid that ended up turning bad. 
Huh. I want to watch this now. Of course, he grows up to be Killmonger. (laughs) (laughs) I like thinking it's the same character. Yeah. All right, so anything else on our list before we go? Um, no, I think that was it. All right. Holy crap, this is it. This is the final episode. Like I said, it's not completely final, but with me doing Hit Rewind, I feel like, I mean, Cameron, we're not done, obviously. I'm going to torture you with more projects. But we'll do, we'll do, what we're going to do is probably smaller segments and then incorporate it into the main episode and stuff like that. But, um... It's also like I'm, my hands are tied, like only talking about these specific things, whereas Hit Rewind can be about anything. We can talk about fucking board games. We can talk about restaurants we used to go to that went out of business, old commercials, you know, stuff like that, experiences at the movie theater or video store, you know, anything retro that we can talk about. Oh, man, I have a whole lot of stories about that, so hey. Yeah, and, and like I said, uh, record your stand-up, your bits or whatever, and then we'll throw them into the show. Yeah. Oh, speaking of here, we want we can do a whole thing about uh, Southtown Mall. So fuck yes, we could anything about old malls, period. But yeah, <laughs> Southtown Mall. My father worked there at that Sears for years. <laughs> I spent a lot right. of time there. Ooh, did most of my school shopping there. <laughs> it's weird watching it turn into a ghost town over a decade. You're just like, I guess everyone went to Glenbrook, and now there's that other one though out by um, a Boyd, which is basically taken over taken over for Glenbrook now with a yeah, big outside. Yeah. So weird, the mall. I always wanted to write an anthology about this this store that somehow survives for 20 years in a mall where everything keeps changing and dying and the new mall comes in or whatever. And you see as the cast of characters, they get older and they all meet at the food court. And I was just going to call it, I was just going to call it the food court or whatever. And that's, <laughs> they have their adventures during the episode. And then at the end of every episode, they meet up at the food court and they kind of have that, you know, that relieve of tension and kind of get together and enjoy life again nice i think i just i did think i just gave someone an idea for a show but frankly at 42 if i haven't wrote uh, it yet go ahead and just take it i don't care (laughs) (laughs) i mean hey oh dolomite is my name i just watched that he didn't like get popular he was 40 yeah that's true i guess some people they wait a while they have other things they got to do like pay bills and they don't have time to focus or too many podcasts (laughs) oh yeah hey at 45, you'll probably get it going. Yeah, maybe. All right, everybody. So uh, that is it. Uh, Cameron, where can we catch you? Uh, you can catch me at the Fort Wayne Comedy Club on Saturdays. I'm not there this Saturday because uh, I'm doing some Halloween stuff. Okay. And you can catch me at Really Field on Tuesday nights if you're in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And tweet. Do you tweet? Yeah. Oh, tweet me at, uh, at Cameron Cooper. All right, and of course Facebook. Uh, that's where I don't know yet, but um, Facebook's getting weird. I'm thinking about leaving. I don't like them knowing everything that I'm doing. It's kind of disturbing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but if you are on Facebook, you can find us on uh, Back in Tunes, which is the pace, uh, the paste. The well, I'm drinking paste right now. That's why I can't talk right. Um, it's the place where you find Back in Tunes and Comics on Infinite Earths, and soon it will switch over to the new show. So thank you everybody for. Uh, 65 or so episodes of Greatness. I hope Greatness. I fucked up an episode or two. Yeah! Hey. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good night.